Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Expounding the text is designed to illuminate scripture. Each week we will observe a text of scripture, interpret it, correlate it to other portions of scripture, and then apply it to our lives. And that is both good exegesis and enriches our understanding. We appreciate all of the feedback you have given and would love for everyone to hear the kind things you have expressed to us. So, if you enjoy what you are taking in here on the IBC Podcast, take a moment and leave a review in your podcast player of choice. That will help more people find and enjoy the content that you are hearing. Today on Expounding the Text, we talk about Romans 10, 10 through 15, and Reverend Christopher Henderson joins us to talk about Christ, culture, and what we can do as Christians in today's society. Enjoy. Well, welcome back to Expounding the Text. This is not your normal voice. This is not Chris Henderson. This is Kevin Brzezinski turning the mic on Chris Henderson to ask him some questions today. So, welcome to the podcast you usually host. <laughs> it's a little awkward. <laughs> We're not going to lie. No, this is this is great. I'm going to grill you. Let's go. Absolutely grill you. So I'm, we're gonna, I'm absolutely excited about that. We're going to look at Romans 10, verses 10 through, is it 15? 10 through 15. 10 I think through so. 15. Yes. And uh, so let's go ahead and read this to You're begin. You're the host, so you should know. Yeah, I should know, <laughs> shouldn't I? Uh, Romans 10, 10. Who wrote this book? Paul. Okay, just checking. An apostle of Jesus Christ. Okay. Separated under the gospel. Verse 10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So as we normally do, starting with observation, what is happening in this portion of scripture? Well, there are, I think there are several things happening in this portion of scripture and where it falls in uh, Romans is actually crucial to understanding as it is the case with everything. Uh, Romans 10 can basically be broken down into uh, zeal and knowledge. We're talking categories here. Zeal and knowledge, verses 1 through 4, and then the end of the law, verses 5 through 8, how to receive righteousness, verses 9 and 10, uh, which we picked up, of course, the end of that, and then how do you get faith, verses 14 through 17, and what does Israel know, 18 through 21. So 
we kind of pick it up right here in the middle of this uh, how to receive righteousness transition into how do you get faith. And if, uh, faith, righteousness, justification, unity, these are all themes of Romans, not just Romans 10 and not just our reading here, but for sure Romans as a whole. Um Fee and Gordon note in How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth that uh, this is Paul's special struggle. It's an epistle, of course. That's one thing that we need to observe, uh, is that it's a letter written to a church that is established. Uh, So there are things that Paul is not going to deal with in this reading, or this writing, as it were, that he may otherwise deal with if he was writing to a different audience. So when he says, uh, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed in verse 11, it doesn't mean that all you have to do is believe, because he's already said that with the heart a man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So there's there's an understanding of what it means for righteousness confession, salvation. The, the church at Rome already kind of had a framework by which they could interpret what he is saying here. So it's, it's sometimes inferred uh, in terms of his theology here, but he also says in verse 12 that there's no difference between Jew and Greek, which brings us back to that unity uh, factor that uh, and we'll go back to the Gordon and Fee here. It's a special struggle. This is a quote. Special struggle for Jew and Gentile to become one people of God. Oh, based, boy. Oh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Keep going. This is a quote from Gordon and Fee, not from, from Chris. I'll give you my editorial here in a little bit. But based on grace alone and apart from the law that causes the discussion to take the special form it does in Romans that, the, uh, that causes justification to be used as the primary metaphor for salvation. So... This uh, no difference between the Jew and the Greek is really important to our day specifically. Yeah. So if a man, well, let's you're you're already jumping into the application. Let's let's hold are. off just a second because you've got two other verses there, and one says, "Without a preacher, how will they?" Yeah. Which which is important for, I guess, what we do as a Bible college, right? Sure. Uh, I know you want to jump right into the. Oh man, you're so. This is going to be dangerous. Nah, no, it's, it's Bible. It's Bible. That's right. Um, let me make one comment. You were talking about whosoever believeth on him shall mm-hmm. not be ashamed. If you confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. Yeah, I believe I've heard Brother Kilman say that that word believeth actually implies ongoing obedience. Yes, absolutely. Which Yeah, goes so a back. belief with the heart. Yeah. So my son has two choices in life. He can obey mom and dad, or he can suffer the consequences of disobedience. And that that's kind of what Paul is, is saying here, this ongoing... Belief is not just a, a one-time thing. Oh, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm saved. It's a continual or a perpetual action of obedience to Christ. Yeah. So now what what is really going on here? I mean, if we were to interpret this, uh what what is the significance of him saying no difference between Jew and Greek for the same Lord 
over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Mm-hmm. Help, help us understand what's happening there. Well, the, the, before we start understanding that, which okay. I was kind of yeah. already going, yeah. and you pumped the brakes yeah. on me, so I like that. But before we understand what he's saying there, it's important to understand verses 9 and 10. Sure. Because he's speaking to a Christian audience. So these people are people who have been, as we would say in modernity, saved, sanctified, and blood-bought. You know, like mm-hmm. they've, they, they, they've been brought out of the miry clay and their feet have been set on a rock to stay. They've experienced the salvation, the biblical salvation, uh, expounded in Acts 2.38. And so that is the audience. Right, right. So before we get into the application of neither Jew nor Greek, we have to understand the framework of where he's speaking. So if you're speaking to a fallen culture, you're going to be dealing with fallen logic. If you're speaking to a culture that is unified by the blood of Christ, neither Jew nor Greek, and you look at even in Acts where uh, the the church, there's all kinds of people around. And so if there are all kinds of people around in Acts 2, right, Cretes, Arabians, the whole... Uh, I don't have the list memorized. I used to, but if all of those people are around and God poured out his spirit on all flesh, it stands to reason that those people are actually included in that group of believers. So when we get into there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, there were absolutely secular differences when Paul is writing to Rome about uh, or between, we should say, the Jew and the Greek. There were societal differences. There were cultural differences. But the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. So Charles Craft has this really great uh, phrase that I'll borrow here, and it is called a supra-culture, a supra-culture. Uh, it's a it's a culture that is created by Christ. It's above Jew and Greek. It's above uh, all of these different societal standards of understanding that we face. And so, if someone has believed with their mouth and they've continued in action, uh, moving toward Christ, I think that they should be a part of this. Uh, supraculture, as Charles Kraft would say. Some would, some would call it a transcendent culture, and that's accurate too, a, a culture that transcends secular definitions of what should be. Yeah, I I'm, I'm, don't mean to take you on a rabbit trail, but are there morally neutral cultural things? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So some things, they're corrupt and evil, and mm-hmm. we need to let them go when we take on this Christ culture, the mm-hmm. superculture, are there things that are just neutral that that will remain, and it's they're neither good or bad. That's just how we grew up or the region we grew up in. Sure, and certain things are neutral. Do you think that's? Uh, you know, I I <laughs> don't. <laughs> I've, I've yeah yeah I you sprung on it on me. That's okay. I like this. Um, so a couple of things come to mind. Number one. Christ makes all things new, new creature in Christ, right? So are there differences that can exist within the body of Christ? I think absolutely. 
are some of those differences this morally neutral cultural uh, beliefs that you that you talk about? I think that there could be. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a practical one. Like um, I'm from the north, so I don't mm-hmm. put a lot of sugar in my tea. I'm uh, from Texas. <laughs> I put a lot of sugar in my tea. So that's yeah, morally, morally neutral, neutral, culturally different. Yeah. Uh, but some of those things start to get pretty gray. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think of one that Specifically really with gray. how you treat other people. Sure. Right? And so what you have to do is understand, I think this is what Paul is driving at. There is neither, there is no difference in the Jew or the Greek. The same Lord is over all of them. So in order for us to understand where those neutral differences lie, we have to understand who we are. And until we understand who we are, to try and name specific applications of these morally neutral differences, I think I think it's just useless at a certain level. Because honor, uh, Gary Smalley has got a great little phrase in his book, called the DNA of relationships. And he names honor as a way of accurately seeing someone. Someone made in the image of Christ. And as Christians, we're called to honor our brothers, our sisters, but not only, and we'll see, we'll see a little bit later, we're not only called to honor our brothers and our sisters, but we're also called to honor them who have rule over us. We're called to honor mutual, uh, you know, not just leadership, but each other. Yeah, and I think you're kind of jumping, like this is a theme in Paul's writing. 100%. Right? So it's yeah, so nor we're jumping bond, around nor a little free, bit. nor male, nor female. Yeah. Uh, so you're you're pulling in other verses here. What are some of those if you have them handy? I don't have okay, them but handy. We, we, we're yeah, kind yeah. of shorthanding them, but it is a theme, and it's you're yeah. right, it's across multiple... What would you call socioeconomic, cultural, yep. racial, or ethnic? I prefer than racial, sure. um, gender. Yeah, I think race is a construct of modernity created to uh, to perpetuate racial talks. Am I allowed to say that on this podcast? Whoa. If I'm not, you can I'm edit it out. I'm the moderator and the editor, so today, <laughs> no, you know, I do, I do prefer ethnicity. I think ethnicities is a much better word to describe some of those differences. When you get into the racial conversation, yeah. there, there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Sure. The same Lord who died for you from Wisconsin... Or Minnesota. I, no, I never can remember which it's one. Neither Canada or Minnesota. It is Wisconsin. They're the same. They are not the same. <laughs> that's like saying that's like saying uh, you're from Mexico, Chris, because I was born and raised in in South Texas. I I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> but I think that I think that understanding that the Lord is Lord over all of them. That's so. Crucial. Now, who, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Who are we believing on? Like, we're believing on the foundation, like the tried chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, right? So outside of Jesus Christ, 
That's why I say that I, I believe racism or racial, uh, the, the term race is a construct of modernity in order to perpetuate the, the belief system. Because outside of that belief system, when you're just talking like you and me and Jesus, like that is the answer. That super culture, that culture that yeah, is... Christ culture. That's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, Romans 2 and 11, there is no respect of person with God. So can Peter, I, can I go be ahead. really controversial? Can you, though, say that God is a respecter of culture? That's, that's a hard one. So yeah. God's not a respecter of persons, mm-hmm. but I do believe God is certainly a respecter of actions. Sure. So can we say God is a respecter of culture? I'm being really mean. I'm sorry. I'm no, 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 that's these, okay. Like, really Acts ten, Acts ten thirty four. Hang on, I'm gonna grab a Bible. Hang on, because yeah, all I have, I have is my Bible. printed notes. I've got one right here. Peter was of a particular culture, was he not? Sure, he was of a, a yeah. Hebrew culture. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then in Acts chapter, well, I'm in John. Let's get to Acts. In Acts chapter 10, there's a man of Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. So here we've got a different culture introduced. And so Cornelius sees a vision, and then Peter also sees a vision. Two different people, two different cultures. And by the end of the chapter, we see Peter preaching to these people who are outside of his culture. 34, 1034 of Acts. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And then we go on and we see, let's see, down around verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid them water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? So the same Peter that preached the day of Pentecost a sermon that said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And, and he answered and said, You know, repent, be baptized, and uh, receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The same Peter, a few chapters later, is in a culture that is different than his, and he says, oh, you can, you can receive the Holy Ghost too. So is God a respecter of culture in terms of salvation? No, he'll, he's not willing sure. that any should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. And that, that is cross-cultural. Now, in terms of action, I think that you do see cultural differences. But again, we're back to honor. There, there are distinct cultural differences between the United States of America and even Europe, who is probably closest to us in terms of Western thinking, but there are huge cultural differences. You want to see even more, go down to like Brazil, and there are even larger chasms between our cultural differences, or Africa. Uh, you know, America sometimes tends to, let's just talk Christendom as a whole, America tends to be more reserved in their worship than Africans. So how does that translate in terms of culture? 
I think that God understands the culture, and he'll give salvation to anybody. And from there, he works with where they started. So you're working between centered sets and bounded sets. So a centered set says, I am headed someplace. I am headed toward Christ. A bounded set, first of all, a centered set has multiple points along that way, which it's getting, we're getting a little deep here coming from Romans 10. But the centered set says, I am directionally headed someplace. The bounded set says, once you achieve this particular set of standards, you are then a Christian. Well, that is a fallacy, in my opinion, to say that once you achieve only these things, that you're no longer headed toward Christ, because someone could live inside of that square bound and not be headed toward Christ, yeah. but someone be headed out from outside of that square bound toward Christ, oh. and only time in, in a relationship with God are going to tell what happens to both individuals. So Christ, Christ is about saving everyone, and once you save everyone and you treat your brother, your sister in Christ, someone who has been saved by God, someone who God died for, when you treat them with respect and honor, well, that's kind of, that's kind of key, which takes us directly into verses, 13, uh, verses 14 and 15. How, sh- how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So you've got this, uh, how are they going to call on him if they don't believe on him? How are they going to believe on him if they've never heard of him? And how are they going to hear about him if we've never told them about him? How are we telling people? If we're not telling people with our lives so that they can in turn believe unto righteousness, and confess with their mouths unto salvation. You then, know, you're, you're welcome if you have more to in the interpretation, you're welcome. But I'm just thinking to myself, I'm looking out at the culture mm-hmm. and how divided everything seems, and yet we need to preach. And it just seems like uh, I can see it already starting to happen that if you are preaching against my culture or what I perceive to be as against my culture, maybe I have... Which one is your God? Yeah, well, maybe Is I... God your culture? Is is God your culture, or is so God I'll, Jesus? So I'll use the safe example. Like Go ahead. If I'm a Greek, I'm a good Greek, and mm-hmm. it's, I'm offended, but today it's the offense is turned almost violent. So how, how do we apply this idea of preaching in our current culture which values multiculturalism mm-hmm. and values, in some cases, very good uh, things about other cultures. How do we apply the preaching part of this and do this? Yeah, so we have to preach Christ and Him crucified. The, the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. So I think that we have to preach Christ in Him crucified. And I think that we preach Christ in several different uh, avenues. Sure, we stand up and we preach Christ on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. But if our actions on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday don't match our sermon on Sunday, what good is our Christianity? Um, And so we have to 
We are sent of God. Christianity is sent of God to preach so that people can hear and call on him and ultimately choose to believe and confess faith in Christ and have righteousness imputed or attributed to them. So how do we do that? We do that every single day by honoring others. Yeah, I'm I'm just kind of my brain's yeah, turning here like it's being a good neighbor. It's mm-hmm. being yeah. you know like you go down the street and there are officers who are emotionally struggling. So but every, every even on the flip side of that, there are protesters who are emotionally yeah. struggling. Yeah. And so you have to be Christ to the officer and to the protester. Super culture. You our our belief system is transcendent over this culture. We we can we can support and we can uh, we can vocalize beliefs, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it has to be Christ preached. Go check out Victor Jackson and what he did in Minneapolis, Super and cool. people are like being baptized the same in the same vicinity of where looting and rioting took place. That, to me, is what Paul is talking about right here. So we're ambassadors, to, to answer your question, ambassadors. Second Corinthians, again, Paul, 5 and 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead that ye be reconciled to God. And this is right after, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled himself unto... Uh, who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ, and that hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And we love this scripture, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. But it's right after that verse that Paul says, Now then, we are ambassadors. The ambassador of reconciliation, the forgiveness that God extended us, we're required then to turn around and give to other people. Well, I love the word ambassador because yeah. it implies you're from another nation. And Super culture. Is it not true? Yeah, that we do need to give up our culture and allow it to die to fully take on the culture of Christ. Yeah, you you uh, listeners can't see it, but I've got this little thing right here. Uh, it's called a Holy Bible, and it is uh, presented to me back in 2002 for graduation. And here's the thing. If anything in my culture, anything in my culture, be it... Uh, well, you know what? Let's just use me for an example. Anything in my family, anything in my culture that is outside of this black book, as we like to say, anything outside of the scripture, it has to die. It has to stop. It has to be ended. Because, for instance, Hendersons tend to be a little bit cantankerous. (laughs) Do you think that's funny? No, I wasn't laughing. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the Henderson, the cantankerous side of me, has to die in order for Christ to truly reign supreme in my life. Yeah. 
And that, so if it's pride, it has to go. If it is a, a particular belief system toward uh, anybody, friend, foe, anybody, it, it has to yeah. go. And can I just point this out? Mm-hmm. I think that some of those things we come by very naturally, almost yes. like the air that we breathe or the water that we swim in, the things that are passed down from generation to generation, or even the culture of your region, we may come by those very honestly. It wasn't evil <laughs> intent yeah. on our part. It's just yeah. the way it was that we family or... Yeah. or but we have to be aware that yeah. there is no Jew. Yeah. There is no Greek. There is no bond. There is no free. Like when you get in Christ, that's a whole new thing. So the other day, there was a, a gentleman who came up to uh, pray at, after a church service. And it was a gentleman whom I have prayed for for a very long time. And uh, in fact, I found out after service that I missed, <laughs> I'm a terrible dad, I missed a prayer time with my own seven-year-old son because I was so dedicated to making sure that this guy had somebody to pray with him, right? So you can, you can make whatever theological implication you want out of that. I, it's, I'm okay with it. Uh, my wife was there praying with Wyatt too. But when I stood up from praying with him, I just confirmed him to him, man, this is something bigger. This is a family that we have got your back. Are you going to mess up? Probably. But this family, this culture, this Christ uh, belief system is something far greater than anything that men has created. And here's the cool thing about it, the kind of the final application, as it were. God hangs his plan for salvation on the fact that we share how awesome he is yeah. through our thoughts, through our actions. So how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. As a kid, I remember thinking, like, I want beautiful feet. And then as I grew up and I was like, I really don't want anyone to see my feet. And now I'm like, oh, I get it. It's a term, a a phrase of endearment that's like, listen, this is the highest possible calling. And every one of us can be ambassadors for Christ. He's revealed himself in nature and we're we're not uh, with excuse, that's clear too. Mm-hmm. But what he really wants to do is use you and use me to show his love. He wants to make us fishers of men. He wants to use his righteousness on our lives to make other people think, oh, what what is what is it that they have? And we will be able to be living epistles known and read of all men. He wants to make our light shine in darkness so that all men can see our good works and glorify not us, but glorify him. So that's, that's what I think Paul is trying to say here. And we probably majored on the difference between Jew and Greek. Because it's, it's a very relevant topic. Yeah, it is very much relevant at the moment. But here's how you overcome it. Preach. Preach. Be an ambassador. Yeah. 
just be a Christian. Don't allow secular society to define terms and don't get caught up in the definition of those terms as a Christian. Allow your light to shine before men. If someone walks up to me and says, you're a racist, I'm literally going to laugh in their face because they have no logical data. They have no example on which they can rest that claim. That's how we should be living, is through the power of Christ and through his sacrifice for us. Amen. I believe that you have people pray at the end. We do. Rev, why don't you pray to close this out? Lord, we thank you for your inspired, protected word that we can learn from every single day. And even though a book was written thousands of years ago, you can still speak through that book, through that letter to us today, God. That is absolutely amazing to me, and I'm so grateful for it. But Lord, I don't want to just be grateful for that. I want to be an executor of your culture in our world. I want to be an ambassador where you can point to me and say, this is what grace can do. This is what my love shed abroad in hearts can do. Help me not to be just a hearer of your word, but a doer also. Let your word take root in our hearts and become part of who we are, ingrained into our fabric of lives and into our belief systems. We'll be quick to give you praise, glory, and honor for it. In the mighty, matchless name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. The Worldview Conference is a preparation against the worldviews on college campuses and in culture. The Indiana Bible College Worldview Conference is a set of special virtual lectures for young people wanting to engage their minds and strengthen their understanding of the Christian worldview in order to help them combat and overcome the secular worldview that they will undoubtedly encounter on college campuses and in the world. If this sounds remotely interesting to you, then you need to block out July 30 and 31. But here's the best part. All you have to do is block out the evenings because this online conference is going to not even require you to attend Indiana Bible College, to travel to Indianapolis, or to otherwise leave the confines of your comfort zone. So, July 30 and 31.